A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hello, welcome to the 106th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we have commercial director Jordan Brady on. He is also a podcaster. He has a podcast called Respect the Process, which I have recently gotten hooked on. He talks about commercial directing, even though he has directed a couple feature-length documentaries that have made the festival rounds and have been on all sorts of streaming services. He also just wrote a book about commercial directing. Jordan is a wealth of information about commercial directing. So if you are a fan of Jordan's show and you're coming to us through that, that's awesome. Thank you. Welcome. We really tried to take our perspective of kind of young up-and-coming filmmakers who maybe have experience in sketch or branded or scripted and how you kind of can graft those sensibilities onto a commercial directing career. And I think he kind of had some great questions about what it's like to come up in the internet era. Yeah, and because we have so much great material with him, we're going to skip our catch-up section, and we will have a lot of that on the next episode, because Matt and I have been doing all sorts of crazy stuff lately. In the meantime, you guys enjoy a wonderful conversation with Jordan Brady. We are here with Jordan Brady. Oh, thanks, guys. Commercial director and podcast host extraordinaire. Right, we're, we have a lot in common. For Jordan's listeners, I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And uh, we host a show called Just Shoot It, which is a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. And so, Matt and Oren, I say welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, welcome to you, to the podcast. (laughs) It's like the Flintstones meeting the Jetsons. It's kind of a, it's a dual episode. We're we're, Listeners, we're both going to post, we're going to cross-pollinate with our fans. They're not really fans, are they? (laughs) Yeah, our community. Our 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 tolerators. Well, (laughs) and and subscribe to both. Yeah. Uh, now I listen to you guys on uh, to just shoot it on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Right on the SoundCloud. Is that the best place you want people to hear it? Um, I, yeah, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. I just use the podcast app on my phone. Yeah, that's what I do too. Yeah, I use it, but we're on Spotify now as well. Ooh. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I love your show, and uh, I've been binging it as I told you before we started rolling because you do the deep dive into the world of being a director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and there's one episode like how to make it when you live to when you first move to LA. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Ah, thanks man. Yeah. I mean, I think our pitch is always like you know, you know what Steven Spielberg does and you know what uh a starving artist does, but like there's a working class of directors out there that maybe you don't know their name or 
um, exactly what their lifestyle is like. And it's, it's a way of saying, Hey, you can be a director too. And it doesn't mean just like winning a lottery ticket necessarily. Right. If your parents haven't seen billboards for your movie, it doesn't mean you're like a failure. Yeah. Right. You can, you can make a nice living directing, especially, uh, the one I was listening to on the way here with Tim, mm-hmm. Tim Wilkheim, Tim yep. Wilkheim, who does the college humor and does the sketch shows and the, uh, so and so's gonna yeah, ruin the, the Adam ruins everything. Adam ruins everything. He's doing a lot of James Corden now, actually. That's awesome. Shout out to Tim. He's gonna he's does them like on the show, like segments and stuff. Yeah, he's one of their field directors now. Yeah. So to hear you all talk and to him tell his stories, I think that gives the young people hope. Yeah. And we're not dream crushers, the three of us. We're <laughs> yeah. we're enablers. Yeah, absolutely. But, but if sure. you do think you suck, listeners, don't come out here. <laughs> if you if you already have doubts, forget it. Some doubts are okay, but like if you think you're suck, you know, maybe practice a little yeah. bit. Well, actually, bit. on that topic, let's get into it because I think I, I'm curious, Jordan, you've been directing commercials for a while now. Decades. What's, and you might not have an answer to this, but what's like the longest time you've gone without getting a job? Wow. In 2010, I went about uh, three months without getting a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when do you start panicking? After two months. (laughs) (laughs) I I like to work. You know, I always find a reason to like uh, uh, an assignment. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I am, outside of my passion projects, I am strictly a commercial director. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have a sketch show. I don't do field work for The Tonight Show or, you know, direct Comedy Central episodes of broad city or you know any right but you have a couple features you've been touring the festivals with yeah 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 yeah. and it wasn't one of them's on amazon prime or hulu or right uh yeah but you would i am battle comic you can go to i am battle and get it anywhere you want anywhere you consume media (laughs) and they've been to net like i am comic and i'm and i am road comic it was a trilogy of documentaries they went to netflix one of them was on showtime like those are, uh, and you've talked about it, those are creative sorbets. Mm-hmm. Right, but y- y- you can realistically see HBO seeing that and being like, oh, we want to do a documentary on comedians and we want to bring Jordan Brady in to do that. Right. right. Then the it becomes- first part of that is true. They would say, oh, we want to do a documentary <laughs> on comedians. They never say, let's get Jordan Brady to do it. Okay. They just say, have someone that uh, they're going to. But if one of them happened to be at the film festival and they, yeah, that could know, happen, or someone tells them you got to check this out. But your point is, you're not planning on paying your mortgage with I Am Battle Comic necessarily. Correct. You would do it either way. All right? all three documentaries I've done have made money, but right. not enough to feed a family of six. They're gravies. Yeah, yeah, they're made. they're fun. It's yeah. fun money. It's what I use to buy my drugs. Right, like all drug money. Great. Right, right. Advil, yeah. aspirin. <laughs> So in 2010, sure. maybe the recession is catching up. <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah. Like ad yeah. executives are getting laid off in 2009. Mm-hmm. There's a bloodletting in Chicago with people I've worked with for years. And then you hear about it in New York and LA. People are all of a sudden freelance. And yeah. you go, you're getting those emails from friends like, oh, hey, what are you up to? Yeah. I'm looking for work. I'm yeah. on your side now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the guy that used to hire you is now asking <laughs> you for work. And so that, then it, it trickled down like budgets were already ready to be spent. And then in 2010, mm-hmm. that 2009 mm-hmm. thing caught up and it was, everything was dried up. And it, I, I was so close to this. Oh, it would have been like a four day shoot for, I think it was Kmart. 
and I wrote a 27-page treatment, the images, the whole thing. I knew a couple of people at the agency didn't get it. And that's when I was like, oh, fuck, I got to get a gig. Sorry, I go on a lot of tangents, yeah. but do, do you ever, did you ever find out why you didn't get it? Is that the type of information you get? I do like that information. And the answer usually is the other director had a better idea. Hmm. And that's the healthiest attitude, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You think it comes down to like one thing, like kind of one thing they said that sparked with the client or the it, with the creatives? Team. Yeah, I think so. Or um, uh, although these days sometimes you get underbid, mm-hmm. like especially now, the difference between then and 2018, some clients make the decision on who they'll tell you, and the agency producer that deals with the EP. We'll say, hey, the lowest bid wins. Right. So you could have all the great ideas in the world, and then someone undercuts you by, right. you know, twelve hundred dollars and no Slurpees. <laughs> right. We all love Slurpees. It's Slurpees, man. I'll tell you what. Like talking about that time, it does make me feel like a little anxious. Even you just bringing it up, because I remember I had just gotten married right when, like, at, oh boy. But I the the lucky thing was my wife was in a Nikon commercial. Remember Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher is like oh of course shooting photos at the Bennett Miller spot. So I was super excited because of the the recession and the writer strike. They kept running that spot forever because they couldn't shoot more. Because they couldn't shoot more, and I swear to God, it saved my life. Like we paid our rent for two years thanks to that Nokia. Yeah, that ran all the time. Did a commercial with Ashton Kutcher. Oh yeah, what, what spot was that? It was for Lenovo. Mm-hmm. And the laptops. And the laptops. And uh, we changed all co- side notes, since you like the side notes. <laughs> we shot in the in the old production company that I used to be with. Oh, funny. We just rented it, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they were they were slow. And it, they look cool. They right? went out of business. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what what com- company was that? Not that was company. called HKM. And all it used to be an old bank in the 30s. I made that part up. It just looked like it used to be an old bank in the 30s. So we had to change the ballast in all the lights overhead. Uh And that was our strategy, just change it all. So we had a guy going up and down, a forklift, you know, electricians. And it's noisy. We're loading in. Ashton's got a trailer. Mila Kunis has has a trailer, and she's not even there. He shows up in his (laughs) Tesla. He's got his own glam people. We've hired a pizza oven for lunch. (laughs) And it's all crazy. And then it gets quiet with like 15 minutes before we're supposed to start shooting. And there's a, uh, and the sound man, he's like, my buddy Maurice, he's like, Jordan, I don't know what it is. And he's unplugging the fridge. We're getting, (laughs) we're going around, we're turning shit off. It's just one of these ballasts way up, like, you know, it's 30 foot ceilings. And there's nothing we can do. And we have to start on time. So after trying everything, Ashton gets on the mark for the first shot. And I'm like, he's going to notice. He's a he's a sharp guy. Sure. So it gets really quiet. And he goes, what's that buzz? Is that going to be okay? And I go. It's the sort of question where he's, it's an accusation, really. Yeah. I go, oh, don't worry about it, AK. We're going to use noise reduction technology to take that out. And he goes, oh, okay. And we shot the whole day with the buzz. I took the dailies before they even went to the agency. And took him to a sound house. I want to say it was like P.O.P. in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. And paid them to take the buzz out of the dailies. Just so that I wouldn't be the guy that fucked up the shoot with Ashton Kutcher for that time. Right. And the, you know, the 
the grand poobah of Lenovo's there and you know everybody's having a great time high-fiving when we're done and no one to this day knows until just right now oh my well, goodness. that's an exclusive I love I love that and there is a, a, a thing that I think listeners can take home with them like you only get one chance at a first impression so you can say don't worry guys like when we're done we'll clean everything up the sound ignore the sound ignore the buzz don't worry about it but no one really can you know so like fixing it early especially when it's something important like this is worthwhile I think the listeners know that it's not like myself or my production company goes and edits mm-hmm. we hand over the hard drive to the agency and the right, editor right. and you don't want those people selling us out in the sure. room like I don't know how we're going to get around this yeah I, and then you see them five years later and they're like oh Jordan you're the guy that messed up the sound yeah. on that thing Jordan that's Buzz all they Brady. remember <laughs> yeah well and an editor can be like don't worry guys I'll fix it yeah. right like Jordan fucked it up but like I'll take care <laughs> of it yeah no that's so smart but the other lesson here is you had to make the call like do i make ashton now wait two hours while we figure out the source of this buzz when we have him for four hours or however long you have him right. or do we it was the it was like more six, important it was like six hours and we tried to baffle it whenever we could we did rearrange some things to get away from the one like i had a scene that was right under the buzz. Mm-hmm. i said you know what i think it'd be better over here <laughs> <laughs> the light's better by the window. Yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't like uh, take a BB gun and shoot that light or anything? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> One time, uh, the shot was supposed to be like the point of view of a falcon taking off from the falcony. The, the kid's hobby was falconry. And there was kind of a run on falcons for a while. Like, you know, like there were yeah, bears like a, were popular yeah, yeah, yeah. in comedy. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. it was falcons, falcons for a are while. Falcons funny, yeah. Uh, the, the falconer on SNL, right? Like the falconer, yeah. 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 So this guy, it's, we we're going to put a GoPro. The idea was a GoPro on the mm-hmm. falcon's claw. And we were going to get a drone, but we shot, it was for Auto Trader. And we were in a car lot in Torrance. Mm-hmm. And my producer says, the insurance won't let us have a drone. One, you're right near the 405, which we all hate. <laughs> Two, there's, you know, thirty to $40,000 cars every, there's rows of them. So if, it, if the drone screws up, right. insurance isn't going to pay for the scratches on the paint. You're buying a bunch of cars. <laughs> so I right. used a, like a five-foot helium balloon with PAs. <laughs> PAs had tethers. We had three points, right? That so we could let it go. Man. And the GoPro was on a fake Falcon Claw for the shot and we just let it go up and it kind of meandered a bit and they pulled it and then we pulled it down. That is so good. You're only going to use a shot for like two and a half seconds. And definitely less safe than an actual drone. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You got to make sure all three of those PAs know what they're doing. (laughs) Well, so, okay. Rewinding back to 2010, you don't have a job for three months. I'm asking this because the segue into this was, hey, if you're afraid of filmmaking, don't come out here, right? But to me, it's like we're all afraid at some points in our career. You know, I think I had this always, yeah. This last February it was like not great for me, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, uh, and so I think just being afraid is part of it. And my wife keeps telling me, my wife's an actress, and she's like, 
dude, you're living like an actor's life. You know, you're used to getting every job you go out for, and now you're not getting half of them. She's like, I don't get 90% of the things I'm doing my best on and putting my best foot forward because they don't like my hair color. You know, <laughs> that fear and the rejection and getting bummed out a lot. You have to be okay with that to be a filmmaker. You know, like, yeah, it's like that's part of the lifestyle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The fear is very motivating, and you take the risk of not putting food on the table for, for that week. But you get all the reward. I think it's a very rewarding career when you do score. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. I also, like recently, I thought I had a job. I was a little cocky. Like, eh, they, you know, we've worked together so many times. I've actually done the spot. This is a reprise of the same bit. The call went great. The treatment. Mm-hmm. And then there was that radio silence. And I don't know about you, but I get a spidey sense. I get a tingle like, oh, that job just went away right now. I, mm-hmm. I feel it feel in the ether go, went, yeah. no, we would have heard. We were getting a lot of love. Then it, nothing. Now the crickets. Now even the crickets are holding their breath. <laughs> well, I think that just goes <clears throat> to show like there's only so much control you have, right? Like mm-hmm. you can p- put your best foot forward and then there's nothing you can do to compete with the fact that like, you know, some director like grew up with someone at the agency. You know, like, like there's, there are things outside of your control, just the, in the same way that an actor, like if they cast two brunettes, they're going to cast a blonde, you know, like that's just a thing that you just have to deal oh, with. I've, you know? I've had someone say that actor that you're recommending looks like the client's ex-husband. Yeah, there <laughs> There's you go. no way I want him on set. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Crazy. Casting is the craziest like yeah. in terms oh, of rejecting people based on the worst reasons. <laughs> Are uh, we going to have two redheads in the spot? Yeah. Right. I'm married to a redhead. I know the deal. Yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> well, and, and then um, with the one particular thing that I didn't get, there was another job that was going to shoot around the same time that I was like, there's no way. That's a glorified industrial film. I don't want anything to do with it. And I want a lot of money if I do it. And we're bidding it and bidding it. Once I found out that the other one didn't go, I was like, man, this is the best script. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to dive into this. And I started, Let's, we should do another phone call. Because <laughs> I wanted that. Like you had already done a phone call and you yeah, weren't yeah, that Yeah, yeah. We that should do a follow-up. Let me, you know what? Let me revise my treatment. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that that was even on the table. I feel like... Everything's on the table. That's re- that's incredible yeah. advice, actually. And, and, and nine times out of ten, though, I believe that you lose the job because the other director, he or she, had just a better idea or an idea that resonated. And there are those factors of chance and who knew who or, like, you never want to do... Uh, the, I did a, jo- a call a couple years ago the day after... The office Christmas party. Oh. And the, it was like talking to a death on a speakerphone. <laughs> and you have to up, yeah. get them going and get, hey, guys, this is great. I um, <clears throat> I shot a series of spots the day after Trump won. <laughs> you guys, it was brutal. And like literally, I would walk back to the client village and like people would be wiping away tears. It was awful. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Not to do so, what, what what do you do to keep your spirits up? You know, that's a great question. We have a podcast. Yeah, we have a podcast. <laughs> and isn't we, it, we isn't literally it a great thing? Yeah. yeah. Well, so you know, Matt and I talk about work all the time. 
you know, up to like a year and a half ago, I kind of feel like I got almost every job I went up for. I was like confident, you know, half the time it was friends calling me and offering me jobs. Are you available? Do do this, do that. You know, a few bigger jobs here and there. Like we were both doing big branded spots, big digital spots, maybe Mm -hmm. a regional TV spot here, international TV spot, but not like that 30 second NBC spot, you know, you see during a Lakers game or whatever. Um, but we're kind of creeping into that area. And now all of a sudden the people we're competing against are like superstars. You right, know? They've got game. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a whole new experience. And it's just like you're saying, like I pitched on this Dr. Pepper spot uh, a few weeks ago and the agency was like, yeah, we loved Orrin. He was right on track. Tonally, it was perfect. We loved the treatment. We loved the call. The other guy just had like something that we liked a little more. And he also was great. Chico Ruiz, when I grew up, I went to high school in Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And the Richmond Braves were the farm team to the Atlanta Braves. Okay. And Chico was a huge star in Richmond. Like people would come out in droves to see Chico. He was the big fish. He was the big fish. And every couple of years, he'd go up for one cup of coffee in the big leagues, as they say. Mm -hmm. And I bet you he was nervous and hoping he got to go up to bat, hoping he would start or play left field, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly where I feel like we both are kind of... Well, and also, I think there's... It's a head game. Intellectually, I... It's totally a head game. And we know that, like, we're going to not get every single job and, like the the rewards are much bigger so like the risk is a lot bigger you have to work a little bit harder for it and the jobs are more infrequent right so that all of that intellectually makes complete sense right going from like getting a job every week and a call and a this and a, yeah. having to turn things down because you have too much work to spending a week on a treatment and then not getting you know um but the the funny thing about all of it is like the work itself the directing the being on set the making a great spot that we're not nervous about it at all. Like I, no, you you've got the skills. Yeah, we've been. I've had hundreds of days on set. You know, we were both have been staff directors at places. The shooting, working with celebrities, making things funny—that's easy. But it's the calls and the treatments and the convincing people that you can do it. Part is something that is a little new to me at this and, level, and that in the previous levels we've crushed. Yeah, like, I, because I, we didn't care. Because we had we if yeah. we didn't get this job, we'll get the next job. You know. But now all of a sudden, every job is like so important. Mm, Maybe you got to get to the place where you don't care. Right. Which in a way is what people buy into. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, agencies sense confidence Mm -hmm. and maybe you want to impress the new company, but it's really the same. Like the number of hours in the day are the same. The who, who did the uh, Harrison Ford uh, the GQ or, thing. Yeah, yeah. The GQ thing. It's wonderfully funny. Funny. Wonderfully done. Oh, thanks. And, and you're dealing with Harrison fucking Ford. Who yeah. And by a, the way, the concept of that video, it's like basically Harrison Ford man a few words. And we knew he was he didn't love interviews. But the original idea was we're going to try to like get him off his game and like ask him weird questions and see if he can get just kind of riled up. But he ended up just like not saying anything. And so at the end of the interview, we're like, okay, a new new spin. The joke is going to be that he doesn't say anything. And he doesn't. And he says, fuck off at the end or something like that. So listeners, I'm going to post that one on jordanbrady.com on my version because I love it. Oh, thanks. And and, and it just goes to prove that you can deal with anybody. Yeah. So Matt, then did you do uh, the waves? 
It's a spoof of Hunger Games. Oh, no, no, no that's that, that's Orin as well. I did I'm have uh, a lot of Orin stuff on the Orin commercials are quite good. <laughs> that, that one's very good. That's like it looks like million dollar well, budget. That I'll tell you the Quiznos stuff. The Quiznos fir- TV, right? Yeah, Toasty, Toasty TV, TV. They yeah. called it. I pitched one thing: House of Thrones. It was like House of Cards meets Game of Thrones because I knew this guy that was an incredible Kevin Spacey impersonator, and my friend had actually brought him up in in this idea, and so I. She's a writer, and we made that together. And Quiznos was like, no way. This is crazy. We don't own the rights to any of this stuff. But at the time, Kevin Spacey was a good guy, and he like tweeted about it, and everyone was very excited about that. Uh, and then they just let me kind of just do a different parody like every quarter. If a celebrity wow. tweets about your spot, that's in every PowerPoint deck right. for every like report about how things are going. Like it's hard to impress how valuable one great tweet sure. is for people. Yeah. I have yeah. a tweet in my office <laughs> that the assistant, uh, or no, co-editor, Andrew Furtado, who will listen. He's, oh, been, cool. he's been on my show, too. He's Shout a wonderful, out Andrew. Yeah. wonderful editor. Um, he framed it because Stephen Colbert tweeted about one of our docs. Oh, no doubt. Comic. So yeah. he brought it in. It was my birthday gift. I, yeah. was, I love a good tweet. Good on you, Andrew. That's yeah. a great gift. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, funny story, speaking of celebrities, and I've told this before, right? So I'll make it quick. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Heard of him. I direct him. I have him for 20 minutes. And there's a teleprompter, but he wants his woman to do the teleprompter. And he says, like, so we have a few minutes, right? I go, yeah. Why don't we go over? And I start talking like, I don't do impressions, <laughs> but I start talking like him to him. And I go, so <clears throat> this is, it's a, it's like a halftime ESPN thing and i go this is where you say uh hey thank you all for your your tweets about the movie and and arnold i think it'd be funny if you said we have especially some very clever retweets and he goes why what is retweet and i said a retweet is when you just um hit the button that makes it go back out onto the twitter feed and he goes oh so there's no there's nothing clever there's nothing uh smart about a retweet you just hit a button Therefore, that is very funny. I will say that. <laughs> but, but like, still talking to him, not even reading the lines. And right. he, he must be so used to it. To, be, to people <laughs> yeah. doing Schwarzenegger yeah. impressions to him. Like, oh, I get it. Uh. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's probably hard not to. Oh, man, that is so funny. So, Matt, what am I going to put on jordanbrady.com? Um, I saw on Vimeo today you liked my Madden spot. Yeah, so if the characters talk to you. The characters talk to you. That was very fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think um, in the last year or so I've been doing more series stuff. So, like, I haven't, Mm -hmm. I haven't, I I don't have a great silver bullet in terms of, like, commercial spots. I think that's maybe my favorite. And that was, like, just about a year ago now. So I'll put that one up. Yeah. And And do you guys have different reels for different disciplines? Like on one episode, I heard you talking about the montage, then funny bits for 10 seconds. Yeah. Be- like a best of, then you end with a montage. Because I'm anti-montage. We've landed kind of on opposite ends of the real conversation. Orin just put out a, an awesome, you should check it out, like a genuinely awesome montage reel, right? That's got scene work and stuff as well. And I kind of have been like, maybe because I lack the skills to like really nail it or maybe lack the material i just kind of just send spots i don't do like a sizzle so i made like a video essay about reels that happens to be my reel so that's kind of the that's funny 
Yeah, so it's me explaining why I don't think reels work. And because you try to put in like a feature film, some clips, and it just, no one understands what is going on there. But of course, while I talk about it, I show some clips from my feature films. I'm like, no one's going to know from watching these clips that it won eight back-to-back audience awards. Right? So I'm trying to like... You said that in the thing, why it wouldn't work. Therefore, you said it and let people know. Yeah. Bravo. So that's kind of the concept. Um, But for commercial, and I actually had a section about commercial reels and how they're totally different. But everyone told me to cut it, including Matt, and I agreed with them. <laughs> um, My notes are very good. So. But yeah, the commercial, look, uh, I learned this the hard way multiple times. Just when I first was getting into like branded stuff and commercial things and meeting with some production companies. And I was like, yeah, check out my website. Check out this video. Check out this video. They're like, just send me three commercials that you directed. Right. Three 30 what are you hiding with that montage? <laughs> <laughs> right. But in the branded, scripted, narrative world, you know, when we're pitching to direct a, a series or something, a lot of the people we're pitching to, they don't come from advertising. They're not from agencies. They don't. They want the sizzle. Yeah. They don't know how to look at a reel. They want to know that you've done a lot of different cool things and that you have the right. Celebrities, fire. Celebrities. And a boat. Yes. Ian Pfaff. They want want Ian Pfaff. Yeah. The Ian Pfaff reel is especially his newer reels. I think if you're pitching him to direct like a comedy central variety show, his reel is like amazing. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I saw Orange, I was like, oh, fuck, I get why it would be valuable to have one. A. And then B, just this last week, I was, I'm up for a job. And they were like, hey, do you have a sizzle of any sort? And I literally have like the spot. Actually, it's a, a slightly different version of the that uh, Madden spot. Like mm-hmm. I'm basically up for that. And I was like, perfect. Finally, I have the spot that they are, are asking for. I've got the perfect reel for it. And they still asked for a sizzle. That's weird. Yeah, I know. It, and that's a commercial? A commercial. Yeah. But but is it a digital company that's making it? It's it not is coming a, from it an is agency. a digital yeah. company. That's true. That yeah. that's where where we're facing. Like I we have all these people that were doing shows with SNL celebrities or you know digital things or branded series and now they're getting more into commercials but they're still used to the model of the sizzle reel. Let, let, let's maybe clarify for people in terms of like the world that we're coming from versus the world that Jordan's coming from kind of because we've got, this is a crossover episode. Yeah, right? and that's exactly yeah. what I wanted my listeners to hear too because I'm always talking about the ad agency mm-hmm. has a client and they want to see, the ad agency wants to see that you've done the spot. Sometimes... The rep, the salespeople will go, do you have a spot with a giraffe? Because mm-hmm. I got this board with a giraffe. And I go, well, does the does the giraffe cry? Because <laughs> like, I have a bear that cries, and is that, that might be more appropriate than if I had a giraffe. By the way, there's a giraffe drawing in the book. There is. The drawings are amazing. No, there is, a, there is a giraffe in the book. And Shameless. Jordan's talking about his, the commercial directing voodoo book is what he was pointing to when he said that. $10. Twenty years of experience for ten dollars. I don't know the math, but it's pretty cheap. <laughs> per I will year. say I read it in one sitting. It's a it's very readable. Many do fortune cookie size knowledge nuggets. Yeah, love I it. would love a follow up to this book where you go more in depth. Once this book is out in the world a while, voodoo people, too. Yeah, yeah, and people tell voodoo you strikes again what is really resonating with them. Uh, maybe go into more in depth. Oh, I also do. Uh, Oh, you do your boot camp. I do of commercial directing boot camp. Oh, so so that is give everything. That is like the uh, poo poo platter. The <laughs> right. voodoo is the poo poo platter to the boot camp. Like if you like the if you like the book, you'll love the boot camp. And if you went to boot camp and you have you have the book, you'll be like, oh, that, yeah, I, I know what he talked about. Right. Well, let me ask you one thing that yeah. I found fascinating. I haven't talked to Matt about it yet, but I'm sure he'll think it's fascinating too. 
which is you said you should never shoot in a bedroom that you i mean not there's no never never but in general setting up a bedroom in a living room instead of going up to the second story and shooting in a cramped room i've done it many times that is so smart wait wait, so so just to clarify you're saying just instead of you're at a house you're in the living room just throw a bed in there and build the bedroom in a larger space and for for a myriad of reasons oh my god that's so fucking good one you don't have to put lights camera sweaty grips and electricians in the second story and you don't have to hump not like any of the three of us carry the dolly up there but right. someone has to and that takes time yeah number two the headboard and the tables and the lumps that you put next to the bed and the clock and all that you're probably going to collaborate with an art director and an ad agency and make it better than what's in the bedroom anyway i mean at the very least you're going to buy new pillows and a duvet is that what it's called? The, uh, duvet, the cover, yeah. duvet. Duvet, the yeah. cover on the cover. The duvet cover. Yeah. And number three, you get to you save time. So your performance time, you spend time capturing actors doing things versus loading in. So uh, in the book, it's a drawing. At the boot camp, I show a slide that's literally in a garage. And the bit was the actor had a baby monitor and the camera was in the garage to see his new Camry. Mm-hmm. And he woke up because he thought he heard something. My baby. And he runs down. We reveal it's a Camry. We actually shot everything live. Like we had a baby monitor <laughs> over here in a two-car garage pointed at a Camry. And then we had the bedroom right over there. Right. Same thing. Like I would rather have, and this is kind of hard sometimes, working with the agency, I'll show them a location photo. And they'll mm-hmm. be like, well, what about the bedroom? So I don't even put the bedroom in the location deck. Right. And well, the bedroom's going to be there. Yeah, but I mean, that's a that's a living room. It's too big. No one have that big of a Well, it only matters what the camera sees. So we'll right. point the camera, we'll put a wall. Well, let me ask you. This. I I can't I just want to make sure that everyone <laughs> understands how fucking awesome that idea is. Like I, that is worth $10. I, I <laughs> that's worth $10. But look, the reason Genuinely, I'm not exaggerating at all. I'm pitching on a project right now that has a bedroom scene in it. And I'm trying to, I'm I'm mining you for what I need to tell the the agency producer, the production company producer, the DP, the production designer, because they're going to come back to me and say things like, well, what about the door to the bedroom? And what do you, you say to that? Well, is there a, is there another door in the house? Yeah. I mean, at the, at the very least, you could have a flat mm-hmm. with a door in it, and those are rentable. You put it on an art truck, and you shoot it, and you have room to light it. I mean, what the first time I did it was a, a long-running campaign that I've done every year since 2005, like the Golden Goose. And, and these people are my friends. We get, it's like getting the band together for mm-hmm. a reunion every year. And we've been shooting at a bunch of houses out near Magic Mountain here in California, and the writer, dear friend, writes, you know, Pat comes down the hall and overhears a conversation in the bedroom. And I'm going, well, you know the house we shoot at. There's no hallway. The master bedroom is downstairs. And, I mean, we can't even get up those stairs to the one little bedroom that's there. So in that case, we ended up building a hallway flat mm-hmm. and did it in a school. And then the bedroom we shot uh, downstairs. So we did it in two pieces. Like the door 
right. and the bedroom don't have to be in the same place, right? Because right? one's, a, I'm assuming one's a, a cutaway to a reverse of someone coming in the, yeah. coming in the door. Yeah. I guess a lot of it really has to do with the style of how you're shooting it and stuff. Like if you want to kind of a more lifestyle shot where someone walks in and you follow them with the camera or whatever, it's one thing, but I, I tend to not get that type of job anyway. I do get more than now we're looking at the bed and now we cut to the, to the door. So it totally but, would work for that. And sometimes the limitations of time and money rear their ugly heads and force us to have creative solutions. Like I would, this thing I did the other day, I would have loved if the two houses were side by side so that the neighbors could wave to each other. Mm-hmm, right. But instead it's a cut and the houses are 400 yards apart right. and they wave to each other. In the edit, you never know. Right. Yeah. Well, before we go too much further down the line, I feel like we've got. I got excited. I I know. I and I. (laughs) So did I. Trust me. You're gonna talk about putting beds in living rooms for the next couple weeks. Um, But uh, just to clarify, we kind of come. Oren and I come from. We we got our start in branded content, basically. Right. And so. um, And branded content, like even break that down for my audience. But even before that, I think we got like my first foray into getting paid to direct was uh i did some shows for this company called super deluxe at the time mm-hmm. it was owned by yeah, turner sure. Inter- internet internet entertainment video yeah super yeah. deluxe web series was bought by turner wasn't it uh i think it came out of turner like like they, maria bamford had a show yeah she was at the same time as me yeah she was kind of the show. big uh yeah, that and Brad oh, Neely, the guy who right. did... Um, um, yeah, and Derek China, Waters, Illinois. who yeah, had yeah. Death Drunk History, oh had goodness. a show there. Super Deluxe, Funny or Die, College Humor, that right. sort Adam of Adam Film, even, yeah. like, in Disney. Yeah. But I think, because we were, like, when we were doing, like, web series, that was before advertisers really were putting money into that thing. It was but, all passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or trying to build audience, like, young audience. How can we catch the tween audience, you know, like, things like that, or the alt like what UCB was doing to the comedy scene. Like, mm-hmm. let's do real edgy stuff on the internet that would never be on TV. And it looked good. Yeah. I mean, I think we also, we really benefited from that. I call it the DSLR bump, right? Yeah. Where it was like, all of a sudden you can buy a camera or even an HVX or you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah, like HVX and then RED. You and know, then... you could get an affordable HD camera with solid depth of field and and a friend of yours owned it. You know, you weren't renting it and you didn't need quite as much light. And it was like interchangeable lenses. Yeah, 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 exactly. You, you, And also, and as a result, you kind of become a better filmmaker. You know, like you, you learn the fundamentals. And you could hone your craft while expressing your art. Exactly. So as a result, though, we kind of aged up as uh, corporations were becoming hip to the idea of like, oh, people are paying attention to this internet stuff. And so um, we kind of both managed to weasel our way into making money through sponsored funny sketches basically which now we call branded content right um, but so so the the branded content space is has now developed mm-hmm. into more traditional advertising but it's it's bringing with it if i'm hearing you correctly matt some of the uh the freewheeling wild west show me a sizzle reel from yeah, the, the, yeah, the oath out. Well, it's not. It's I, I honestly don't think it's like free willing. Like, let's do things different. I think it's people that have never worked on in advertising. They don't know how an agency works. They don't know how treatments work or phone calls or, like, literally, some companies I work with. I'm like, 
well, you know, now that we sent the treatment, we should have another call where I talk to them about the treatment. And they're like, oh, we'll see if they have time for that. I'm like, what do you mean? That's like part of me presenting. That's, that's most of the job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes wow. we'll get scripts for 30 second spots that are written in final draft and are four pages long. And I'll be like, uh, this is not a 30 second commercial. And they're like, you know, if you read it fast, it works. Like I remember like a few years ago, a producer was like, they sent me this commercial and it was written in Word. Like, don't they know how to write script? And I'm like, no, that is how commercials are written. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, they, they're not using final draft. They are not writing 120-page right. scripts. They don't yeah. care. Have, have these companies taken over the brand and content? Where is there room for a new filmmaker to 100%. come in and break through to brand and content? Or is it now? percent. No, no, good. absolutely. Tell like, us about that. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, the, the that world is brand new still. And I, I think that because the rate at which people are directing things and then kind of moving along, I think that um, there's always plenty of room for people, basically. Um, so the, how would someone go about doing a branded content spot? Is it like a commercial where I have to show the giraffe to get the giraffe spot? Does someone have to do a spec branded content spot? The difference actually, I think, is, and Oren, correct me if you think that it's different. Oh, now. he will. And yeah, then no doubt. Um, but I think that... Uh, we both kind of started mostly by like working with companies that were uh, in the branded space, but also had more sketch or short form. So you would do like a bunch of funny videos for college humor or funny or die or something like that. And then the branded team would look over and be like, Hey, that person is doing premium good work and they're not getting paid for it. I bet they'd be stoked on a couple grand and then like a little bit of a bigger budget if they come do this Tostitos spot or something. So that that world is it's in flux right now because all the digital companies are going through some real growing pains or maybe they're you know downsizing. Mm -hmm. So that that part is a little tricky, but I think that there's still room out there for people to kind of do good work and then undercut us basically. <laughs> right. right. But I think there's a hundred ways into it. I know a girl at Funny or Die that was a writer and she would write all these funny comedy scripts and then she was like, "Hey, I want to direct some of these." And then she started directing them, and they had a sponsor, yeah. Funny or Die and Above Average. These companies known for their comedic voice all have sales teams, and they go and they meet with you know Jeep, or they meet with agencies. A lot of times it's direct to client. They'll meet with big brands, and they will say, hey, don't you want people to think your brand is cool? That's, yeah, all that Quiznos stuff. I guess I was working for the agency when we did that. But Who was the agency? Can you tell us? Yeah, they were called Window Seat out of Denver, which mm. is where Quiznos is. So they did a lot of Denver companies. I think the, the shift towards direct to client has created a huge opportunity for people with smaller reels because the agency is, or the client and agency are together. And oftentimes that agency is really more of like a boutique production company. And so they're the people winning the job. And they're like, hey, yeah, we've got this buddy who's a director. If you know one of those companies, like you, like there are plenty of those jobs that we had early on, like we didn't pitch for the the production company pitched for it and got it, and then they were like, well, you're free, or let's have you do it. That's what I thought. And in fact, when I was listening to uh, one of your episodes, the way you talked about working, like shooting all the time, it was like. Matt, grab a camera. Lauren, get the boom. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go shoot a commercial. Wait, where's Sally? Oh, she's already working. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of that to it, for sure. Like, it, you know, the sound guy is always the sound guy, but, but 
Yeah, that never ones. happens. Like my company, Super Lounge, we have yeah. six directors. We're super small, and we pitch each one. We never pitch. Right. I mean, never because it has happened, but we rarely pitch two directors for the same gig. Right. 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 You're like, oh, this person is perfect for this spot. We're pitching right. them because yeah. you're but, but, a director. You're a, you have a roster of directors, and you're kind of a uh, director fronted. Company, you're we're like a, selling directors, not right. the company, so much. Mm-hmm. But you people know, come to us and say, "Who do you got? We liked working with you." Or usually, you get this one: "Hey, we got a project. Do you have a scrappy <laughs> film?" <Right. It's> like, <laughs> somehow, scrappy means uh, yeah, sure. there's not a lot of money. It broke. Right. Is what that means. Well, <laughs> there is a company. Do you know Tractor? Of course. So they do a lot of big spots, right? And they some don't, of the best. They don't have directors right like you don't know they don't roster people it's a collective they, well yeah they have uh, they have their directors but when you, they've been on a job you don't know kind of which director you're going to get right right well tractor did uh my favorite spots of the super bowl the tide oh, oh they uh, did those they really yeah, they're so tide spots. Yeah. and they and yeah, like 20 years ago they had some breakthrough stuff that was just so funny they they've had staying power mm-hmm. but um i've always said you could be a husband and wife you could be brothers or a Swedish collective. <laughs> Other than that, it's a solo game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what about like the Daniels? I mean, there's like kind of yeah, a lot of directing teams. That, yeah. I'm trying to think of other people. But yeah, oh, Shinola. Shinola. Oh, yeah. Well, they're collective though, I guess. Yeah. That's true. And yeah. probably Swedes. <laughs> uh, they are foreign. What are they? They yeah. may be Swedish, do you, actually. <laughs> Jordan, do you ever feel like if you had a European accent, you would book more jobs? Absolutely. You know, Go I, by Jordy, then you're set. I tried Giordano in the Latin market. There was a time when comedy was not trusted to their own in the Latin market. Mm. Now there's a plethora. Am I okay here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but I, it, it, there's a DP that I work with, uh, Mike, Michael Svitak, which is such a great oh, yeah. last name. But uh, Michael, like, that's terrible. So you have to be either Mikela or <laughs> Miguel. Mikel, Mikel von Svitak mm-hmm, or sure. just Svitak. So one time I told the production team, just put Svitak on the call sheet. Don't, I don't want to hear his first name. I don't want anyone to say it. And his price went up. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so interesting how that foreign accent makes you just want to really listen to someone. <laughs> Well, I was just going to just going to ask like in the future would you either of you start your own company? Yeah, I it's a thing that I think about and Orn you kind of had the like a more overt explicit chance. Right. Right. Like Yeah, I had and so said no. Right? Yeah, a lot of the work that Matt and I both get is from a company called Sawhorse which is a company fronted uh production house they started as a post house now they do a lot more production but if you go to their website they have a reel and they don't it's a montage reel it's really good it's got like a ton of celebrities really flashy really impressive work it's directed by 20 different directors they don't have a director's roster they have work and i think if you click on something it'll tell you who directed it but they are selling themselves and their relationship and once they get the job They'll either choose a director. Oftentimes, they'll have they'll put Matt up for it. They'll put me up for it, and we'll all be kind of pitching. And a few on other it. people who've been on this podcast. Right? Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like it's funny. It's nice that like we're buddies with basically 
everybody who shoots over there yeah you know and they've done a lot of editorial stuff like the gq the harrison ford thing was through them a lot of the my jeep thing was through them basically all my big celebrities are through them because we knew when i was teaming up with them i was we were all friends with this guy who was the head of production for Condé nest so all the editorial stuff like vogue and golf digest and all this random celebrity stuff like the budgets weren't huge but we had access to like crazy talent um and so they the three of us were working together a lot the two guys that run it and i got to this place where i was just like you know i was i do graphics and vfx too so i was like kind of directing kind of editing doing a lot of graphics for a lot of like teen vogue stuff and it was all like good i think and like was getting us bigger jobs and we were moving up together but at a certain point you know after that like 20 hour day of like trying to get graphics right on the right disney star you know for this youtube video i was like wait did i move to la to be doing graphics on a teen vogue video or did I come here to make films? Yeah. <laughs> and so I told the guys like, Hey, I love you. I still want to work with you, but I just need to go follow my dreams. Cause I could see myself not doing the stuff that I loved. And so I actively chose to not be on the business side. Yeah. You were at a crossroads where you kind of, you could tell that there were jobs that you would have to take to keep the lights on because you, they have a staff of people and they, they're passionate about all that stuff. It's not like need you to feed the machine. Right. But like, that's, that's what you're signing up for when you have a company like that. Um, and I think about it all the time, but I think that I've kind of come to the conclusion that I want to kind of come at it from the other direction where I'd rather just focus on like growing my own personal career until the point where it's like, Oh, you get to be, you know, an RSA or something like that, where you, it's like, oh, they're kind of asking for me because they've seen my feature work or something like that. You're the giraffe guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, this guy does, he He, nails it. He's like a giraffe whisperer. Yeah. 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 That's a good, those are great answers. Yeah. I don't know that there's any one path. Yeah. But I think, I think it's a, it's such a great time to be a young filmmaker, Mm -hmm. not just because of the tools, but the tools have settled out now. Right. Like my son, uh, is going to get a new A7. Like he, I talked him out of the 4K like two years ago because mm-hmm. I said, we'll have to go buy a new computer because your laptop can't handle the 4K. Now he's ready. He's mastered yeah. that tool. But the, his shit looks great. He's got a great eye. He cuts. He'll come to the office and cut. This is my other son, Ben. He'll cut in Premiere. And he's making some good stuff. So to learn on your own, that's one. To go to funnier die or the next funnier die, right, right, and be staff and just shoot, 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 or GQ um, Esquire does cool stuff. Yeah, just and, to get battle tested, just to right. be in the field to, to get your ten thousand yeah. hours. Yeah. There was a time I knew like twenty people that were all shooting for BuzzFeed like every week. <laughs> yeah, or even at an agency that ha- be that guy that mm-hmm. you said, Matt. Like, oh, we you sell an, somebody sells the. Uh, the gig and they go, Oh, we got a guy in house. Yeah, yeah. Be the in house guy. Yeah. Right. Or That's girl, what I was for gal. Quiznos. Yeah. Oh, you, the, were you going to Denver all the time then? Or uh, we had an office there? in LA too, but the agency is out of Denver. We had like a satellite office here. That um, was the buzzsaw? Window saw, seat. Window seat. Yeah. This, the names are so sorry. I know. Keep. I need a diagram. Sawhorse is my <laughs> other friend. That's where we did the GQ window seat. They did the Quiznos stuff. But I was on that account for like two years. But wow. it was interesting because I was on the agency side. So I was 
working hand in hand with the creative director on figuring out what the spot was and pitching it to, I was pitching most of them to Quiznos, the CMO and the head of marketing, the VP of marketing. So I was really in on the agency side and I was directing them also, which is funny because I didn't really learn much about the director pitching to the agency process. No, you bypassed that. No, you got the golden ticket. Yeah. You're except, pitching your own stuff and shooting it. Yeah, except my reel was ninety percent Quiznos. <laughs> Who cares? That may the the maze. I mean, the the CG is really good. Uh, thanks. Right? I did, it, yeah, I did all that too. Which <laughs> Matt tells me not to tell people. <laughs> no, I the, hold on. <laughs> There's a difference. You can tell people you did the CG, but I'm saying you don't sell it as like I can do your CG for you. Oh yeah, right. yeah. Never do that. I agree. He, Matt literally said, let's ask Jordan when he's on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, because people don't want to hire you for that. Yeah. They, uh, I think it's in the book, commercial directing voodoo, put yourself in a box, right? Be the draft guy, be the director. Now you can be a writer director. Cause that's a boat like, Oh, he writes too. Wow. Like to us, that's like a given, right? You right. have to write. Sure, right. But on the agency side, like, Oh, he's going to help come up with some extra bits or tweak it that's good but they don't want to see you as the after effects guy in your underwear at night at home in the <laughs> sure, basement right, or yeah. or uh, you know i edit i'm i think i'm pretty fast i think i'm pretty good and there's a there's small clients where they'll say because i know them after years mm-hmm. hey will you um will you edit the spots and my answer is i'll do the first cut mm-hmm and then I'll get some notes and then I'll ship you and, uh, you know, Gertrude, your in-house editor, I'll give her my project file mm-hmm. because you can dick around with the font and you can do that. Right, you can right, tweak right. You can do different versions, different, sure. you know, end card offers. I will give you the joke. Right. Or, here's the shape of it. Yeah. That's here's, great. here's the bit. And if, if, if let's say, you know, we're all talking comedy but if it's pretty picture stuff, here's the here's the way I saw those pictures editing together. Mm-hmm. This is why that sun flare goes into the babbling brook shot so nicely. Did I hear someone say that he cut the spot and then gave the notes back to the editor? On our podcast? Yeah. I uh, Yeah, you did. Yeah, you I did, did on the or, think, that's an Oren move. I yeah. think that's a great move. I well because it's not a good way to make friends though. <laughs> I get I get locked out of the edit so often, you know. Um, which I know I know that's how it is. That's that's another thing where Matt well, and I are getting and used money, to, right? Yeah, um, we used to be very much like from soup to nuts, and now yeah. we're just barely like a few spoonfuls. So what I did this on that last shoot is I got the hard drive on set. I didn't always. I, yeah, I didn't leave set without that's, the footage. That's in the book too. Yeah, Leave by the way, hard that's a mistake. Yeah, I love it. I wish I would have learned that from your book. I learned it from the hard way of, of not being allowed to access any of the footage after I left set. Um, but I just put the cut together over the weekend, um, like the day after the shoot, and I sent it to the agency producer, and I said, hey, just so you know, this is this is how I imagine these things working out. And they're like, oh, great. Can you send us your project file? And then, yeah, they just went off of that. So... and. And it was cool. I totally understand the emotion of, but I did this for you. I, I completed the project. I should be there with you. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, 
but that's not the way it works. Right. Like you, you hand it over, you've gone above and beyond just by doing that. And, and like in Europe, as you know, the director of the commercial does the cut, a color oh, grade. I, I did not realize that actually. So Are they, you serious? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm being serious. Oh, in so, Europe, you get to do everything? Oh, you, you pick the music, you do a color grade, oh. you get like a couple of weeks with Ooh, the la, editor. La. <laughs> Say Bray. <laughs> and and you, you present the cut. Huh. And and here that's an anomaly. Like the this Chrysler stuff I just did, the editor came out here. We had worked together before, and the agency then watched my cuts. And I talked to him Monday, and here it is three days later. I haven't heard from him yet, yeah, but sure. I showed them like, don't dick around with the. This is the joke. Mm-hmm. You can try the alts. You can have the different end lines, but don't mess with the meat of it. And they'll do whatever. Yeah. And, and that's and so I look at what you're you're hurt by it, yeah. And I look at it as a privilege to be able to collaborate to the point where they do take it and go away. Yeah, it's not that I'm yeah. hurt by it. It's I guess two things. And again, maybe hurts a strong word. Maybe as I start working with kind of these top like higher level agencies where these creative directors and these art directors are like the best of their field, you know? Some Maybe. of them have more experience in the editing room than we do. Right. Sure, that's so what I want. I think yeah. when I get to yeah. that yeah. level, it's different, but I can't tell you how many jobs, I, and it's the worst is when they happen in a row, but I'm so excited about the concept. We get to set. I'm so excited. This jib shot worked. This skateboarder jumped right here. This thing landed right there. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm like literally like pulling stills during the day and emailing them to myself and showing them to my friends because I'm like, this is going to be so rad. And then I see the spot two weeks later and I'm like, this is unshowable. No skateboarder. This, yeah, no skateboarder. They didn't use any of the good shots. They edited right in the middle wrong. of the jib move. Yeah, yeah. Right in the middle. They yeah, cut. Yeah. You're like, why? Yeah, it's yeah. not just like, it's not great. It's like not good. Like I can't put it's it bad. on my website. Yeah. I can't put it on a reel. And so, so that's one thing that I'm trying to combat Two is sometimes this is something I do a lot. I and pro- from my like low budget days, but I'll like know we're running out of time, or it's you know we're calling Grace, or we have to go to lunch, and I'll just like keep the camera rolling and grab insert shots of things that I haven't had time yet because I know after lunch we're going to a different scene. So I just want to make sure. Too many times the editor is not noticed they don't with those insert yeah. shots at the end, or or <clears throat> even like to be fair, like the it doesn't get set in the AE, like it's not in the string app, right? Right. You know, right. like that's an easy mistake to make when you're a young assistant editor right. too. And number three, which is the biggest one, which is why I like really fought to edit all those Quiznos, like the bigger parody things, is because I know they're gonna if they pay an editor three for three days, they're gonna edit for three days and make it as good as they can in three days, but. I'm going to work on that for nine days, you know, to get it right. And if I know that there's a visual effects effect that needs to be happen here that we don't have the budget for, I'll like go and do it. Um, and so when I really am passionate about something, you know, and again, this comes from more like the scripted narrative world where the director is involved from the yeah, beginning it's a to writer, the end. director, right. Right. Driven Mark. Um, and I know in advertising there's goals, but I, I feel like I'm going to be judged on the final cut as the director even if I had nothing to do with the final cut, you our know? livelihoods to depend on it, oh, right? Yeah. So, like, you have to make it great, and like, like you said, like no one's going to put more TLC in it, right? Into it that we are. Like for Jordan, you've directed hundreds and hundreds of commercials. What percentage of those commercials end up on your reel, or you know, like in your oh, repertoire? Maybe what six percent? 
but or like let's say from the last year not just because they're old but because you don't think they are in your yeah top. I, pro- I, I probably have well i like to change it so i i get five or six a year but i keep one i have one that's two years old this guy steps on a nail it goes through his foot and everyone that watches goes, oh, I have to keep it on there. And it's great looking film. And there's another piece that's coming up on a year, but it's it's elegant. It's like a thousand frames and it's coffee mm-hmm. going through oh, yeah, yeah, the, the air car. car. And How did you do that? God, I feel I'll like tell, we could I'll talk tell to you really for many one. hours. But let me, let me back up. Number three, going backwards, number three, you're right. The passion giving the nine days where they can only pay an editor three, you should do that throughout your whole career. Mm-hmm. Right. Which so is you, why you've got to leave with the hard drive. Right. So, and you'll be sane and you'll have something for your reel because it's all about your reel. We're often judged not just by how we execute a spot, but by the spot we chose to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. So it's like sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. like, I don't want to brush that under the rug. Yeah. But number two your your second reason. Oh, they missed things. Oh, they missed things. Right. Right. right, right. right. Okay. So, this is an actionable step that you can do every job, and I do it every job, even though I got the hard drive. I download sometimes that night mm-hmm. or the next morning, just write to the editor, maybe the agency producer. Often the editor has a producer at a post house, right? Because they're a separate company from my company. Right. And I say, like, I just wrote one to someone even though I knew I was going to be with him in a couple days, I said, Jorge, here's my download. The script notes are great. You'll see my circle takes, but in the village, the client didn't really like mm-hmm. the way this happened. So the last take, the kid has a seatbelt on, even though they're in a driveway, the client was afraid of the kicking. So we did like this karate sweep. That'll probably be the one they want to show their boss. The other one's funnier. I'm just giving you a heads up. Sure. Right. So it's context. Because if he puts the karate kick in and he shows it to the client, the client's like, let's just cut this whole section. <clears throat> yeah, let's not do it. Then the other one was um, at the end, sound was not as good on day two. So we re-recorded some of the lines. It could mm-hmm. be used off screen. We did it on day three. Please use those. They're wild track. Yeah. If you're wondering why we did a product, sh- a car shot with no one in it, is because in six months, someone may ask you to cut a 30, and that will allow you. Like, right. It's just and downloading you're emailing this. Emailing. It's, a, it's context, and then it's the stuff that would e- be easily missed, basically. Like stuff the, to pay attention to. The, the yeah. inserts. So yeah. you would put, I know it's crazy, the inserts. And the other thing that I caution. The young filmmaker, and I've said this on my podcast, I teach it at the boot camp. You have to call cut. It might be in the book. If you do a string of takes, because it's digital, mm-hmm. and the last one's great, the editor has three days, she may miss it. But if you cut and say, do it again, and it's slated as its own clip, mm-hmm. then the last take, you repeat, and they have to look at the they're not going to not look at the beginning, but if you have 11 takes on take seven, like it's seven, a seven B seven, but then take eight is just one. Even the assistant's going to go, what's the deal with that? Yeah. And then in your email, you go, look at the last take. And right. it's, it's, so you're editing the editor 
And what you're saying is you nailed it on take seven F or whatever. And you say, let's cut, let's reshoot, do exactly the same do thing. Do that same thing. Yeah, I like and that the idea. Pressure, yeah, the great. pressure is off of the actor. You go, hey, we've already got it. Mm-hmm. Let's just do one more. Just loosen up. Uh, just, just like the last things. Right. And worst case scenario is, like, say, take eight doesn't work out. You just say, hey, Jorge, 7F is the winner. Is the winner. Yeah. And it's in the script notes. But there's one other psychological advantage. You will have closure on the project. That doesn't mean you're done. But you know that there's an email. Mm-hmm. And CC yourself. Like, this is what went down that's not reflected. If you don't watch all the footage, even if you watch all the footage, you may not know why certain things were done. Uh, Cause I love you for getting those inserts. Mm-hmm. The editor will pray like, Oh, something to cut away to, but you tell them that you did it. It's, it's almost our responsibility now. Right. So Jordan, you have your own company. Yes. Why? So you're the pro side of that conversation. Tell me why, why you like having your own company. Uh, there are pros and cons. Mm-hmm. So like you said about when you worked at the uh, the company where there were bills to pay. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so I know that like I'm kind of the lead racehorse. So I want to make jobs work. I want the company to thrive. It helps the other directors. It helps the company. But I'm I'm older than you guys. Been doing it a while. And I've been at companies with great EPs and great staffs and everything. So the plus side for me was to um, to give back, to help develop other directors and to help put my stamp on like a culture. Mm-hmm. Like Super Lounge is, I mean, we're very, it's very chill, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And we have a, it's a like a family, it's small. There's really just four of us full time. Mm-hmm. And then we bring in our freelance favorites that are like family. So I like that versus... And then on the, the, the business side, so if I go sign at Caviar, mm-hmm. now I'm one of 25 sure. people. Yeah. And even though I have my own clientele, you know, I always tell people being a director is kind of like being a, a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. You bring your clients oh, that's great. and you rent a yeah. chair. And so if I move to Venice, I would my clients, some of them would come with me. Mm-hmm. And I brought clients with me when I started the company. And I would take them if I went to another company, but I don't mind working. I don't mind like, I think self-promotion is a necessity as a filmmaker now, mm-hmm. just because of you, people want a personality. They want a story. They want, they sure. want an experience, a relationship. They want yeah. a relationship. Yeah. And I made some of my, I mean, all my friends are filmmakers or ad creatives and we movie makers. Yeah. So I like hanging out with these kind of people. Uh, so the plus side of having a company is uh, I I posted something today on Instagram from the book on Super Lounge Jobs. There's a PA that goes around with a tray of mouthwash, gum, little flossers, mm-hmm. and these little wire brushes you put between your teeth. Because I, and not just to the agency and the clients and hair director, but to the crew and the cast and everybody so that we start with fresh breath and dignity and it's a new day Mm -hmm. because you know after lunch you're all sure i probably had another coffee right and so if i was at a company and i said hey i want them to do that 
the producer might go to the EP and go like, what is this thing? Jordan right? wants to do some really? breathment thing. I don't get it. I mean, it. I, yeah. they probably would, but now it's sort of law. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started a company. <laughs> Love it. And I wanted a logo. I wanted to make a cool logo. <laughs> For the fresh breath. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Do you... Man, I feel like we could talk forever about this. But why don't we do a part two? Why don't you guys come to the West Side? We'll have Helen fire up the go. cheese fondue. I, I can't <laughs> wait to meet Helen. I've she, heard so much about her. Fondue. She teaches a spin class tonight, so she couldn't make it, but yeah. she sends her love and she listens to the show. Oh, oh yeah. awesome! All the way from Britain. She's from Britain, England. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a last question yes, that I yes. ask everybody. Yeah. What does respect oh, yes. the process mean to you? Oh boy. I knew this question was coming. Me too. And that my smacking me in the face. The idea for my answer, like what I was going to answer, now I don't don't feel like I believe in it anymore. <laughs> I'll I'll go. I think um, that's I think hilarious. Give it time. Do you know what I mean? I think like the the process means like things take a certain amount of time to get done, and they they cost a certain amount of resources, whether that's time or money or whatever, and you just have to be realistic about like that's the those are the facts it you takes don't pick the grape and takes. throw it in the bottle exactly right. exactly respect the process yeah i mean that's I a guess great answer my answer was going to be like respecting the process is what you should not do uh, <laughs> all right because you should just shoot it you should uh, enjoy some fresh grape juice yeah be, it's like you should understand the process i guess but uh i feel like especially nowadays we're in this place where the people that are making waves and jumping ahead and just doing kind of the things that you never expect, like that Spike Jones home pod spot, you know, yeah, that just came that's out. Awesome. Like who would have made the entire wall move? Like every person he probably said that to was like, nah, there's better, easier ways we can do that VFX. And it's like the people that are brave enough to say, I don't care what, the process is I want to reinvent the process are the ones that are making amazing things. And I think especially in like film and a little bit in TV as well. But as I'm getting like deeper into the commercial world, I realize that really getting the process, understanding it, understanding the psychology of everyone, not just the creative people, but the business people and the agency people. And this is the first time for a long time that I've been pitching on jobs and I know it's not just for me to get a job, it's for the whole company to get a job. Uh, and so just it, to me, I guess, respect the process about thinking outside of yourself for a minute and realizing that there are a lot of people that are in this with you together and that if you understand what they need and, and try to make sure we're all like a team, then things will come out a little better. Yeah, that's a great answer as well. The client sometimes has an agenda mm-hmm. that maybe uh, is counter to the comedy, mm-hmm. and so to respect that, oh, they have to, they have to move product. So my right. joke will take a back seat. Right. But um, I always point out when someone answers to basically subvert the process or fuck the process, it was um, the Pelorian brothers. Who are a, I mean, some of your favorite Geico spots. Mm-hmm. They're so funny, and I've I've looked up to them since I started. They said the same thing. They said, you know, fuck the process. They're Canadian, <laughs> <laughs> and and I think they're right. I think every now and then, on the filmmaking side, you do have to roll the camera and run around and get those inserts. 
and maybe it wasn't lit perfectly, mm-hmm. but the tool's going to be forgiving. Like sometimes you just have to go for it. Right. Or know? jumping the line makes this funnier or weirder. Jump, right. F- screw the line. Uh, you know, my son is learning a traditional way. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he'll go to Compton and shoot a rapper. And I'm like, right. you got to get out of your head. Like you have to learn both worlds now. Yeah, yeah, totally. You have to know the tradition. And then you have to just like put the camera on the dash and start running around yeah. or get a hoverboard. Like, I saw a shot on Instagram <laughs> of my son with his Sony going backwards on a hoverboard, oh, hoverboard. Yeah. shooting a pilot for someone. Yeah. Insane. And that's screwing the process. So. Love it. Well, thank you for being on my show, and thank you even more for having me on yours. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much for crossing the 405 to get here. <laughs> I said it earlier. It's a mental game. Winning jobs, losing jobs. Our job as directors is to pitch the best ideas. If I have a pitch, like, I won't have the glass of wine. Like, I want to be, like, what will I dream of? Mm-hmm. That's, to me, respecting that process. So when I get on that 405 freeway, I think, you know what? It's a lazy river. It's going to take when it's going it, to. Sure. I'm getting in an inner tube. I've got a, mm. in my mind, I've got a cooler of, of uh, Seagram's wine, uh, <laughs> Bartles and James. Bartles and James. Sure. And, and that's why I texted you like, hey, it's going to be a little late because I'm on that river. So it's, it's all a mind game, folks. Right. Um, well, awesome. So the segment we end our show with usually is called Unpaid Endorsements. Unpaid Endorsements. So I'll kick it off. Um, have I talked about, have you guys ever used an Osmo? Yes. That, yeah. yeah. I, so I haven't had a ton of experience with them until this current job that we're on. Um, and it blows my mind. It's, a, it's just a small gimbal, you know, with a built-in camera basically, but you can get them for mounts for a DSLR or just the the DJI Osmo. There's a lot of different versions of it. But just having a gimbal around to just pick up and run around and shoot some stuff with is an example of just, you know, reinventing the process, basically, in the same way that, like, hopping on a hoverboard is. It's a tool I I wish I had when I was a kid. It just blows my mind how incredible the footage can be with it. And, like, certainly there are limitations to it, but, like, adding like a six or $700 gimbal to your order or like buying one yourself. It feels like a pretty awesome tool to, to up your game and like add a little bit more fun to it. So, um, I was blown away by a relatively cheap tool uh, yeah, the Osmo or, or some other gimbal like yeah. that. Cool. Yeah. Blew well, my mind. I will endorse the most obvious thing, <laughs> which is Jordan's book. It's right here on the table. Commercial directing voodoo. It's on Amazon and even though it's called commercial directing voodoo, 90% of your lessons in there apply to filmmaking in general. Well, thank you. That's a, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. I think there's something in there about like, if the client says that you're wrong three times, like just do what they say. So something along those lines. I don't know if that's exactly it, but at a certain <laughs> point, yeah. But even if you don't have, even if the client is like the writer is on set or the producer, every one of these rules you can apply to even like your passion project and you know, like shooting a bedroom and a living room and that the, the tips are super awesome and helpful. And Jordan has like these really cool drawings in there as well that he did himself. So, uh, I highly recommend it. Check it out. While we're on the topic of Jordan, uh, tell us one more time, commercial directing bootcamp, commercial directing bootcamp. Everything you need to know is at commercial directing bootcamp.com. It's sold out, but the one that you'll hear about when you listen to this is sold out. So I, I take 20 filmmakers 
and uh, I have a Super Lounge sponsors a diversity award, so non-white guys free. get picked to go to free for free. I do that every quarter, and I've done them in Los Angeles the last two years, but sometimes I'm in New York or I've done it in Chicago. And the non-white guys, like a white girl, counts as Could a do non-white it, yeah. guy. Yeah. Okay. It's not non-white guys. It's non-white guys. Non-white guys. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for plugging the book and the boot camp. Sure. Yeah, love of course. It, love it. Spread the love. It wouldn't be good good if I did it. So yeah. And you, had, you have one that you told us about. Yeah, I have one, and uh, it's called Blocker, and it's an app, mm-hmm. and I'll show you. So it's it's like Artemis, uh-huh. which a lot of your listeners know. is a, mm-hmm. So I can... Um, I can put an AR character. Oh, wow. And then now, wherever I go, he stays. Oh, wow. So Jordan has his phone up, and he literally has dropped like a virtual figurine in the room. And then as he moves the phone around, that figure stays locked in the space and geography. Wow. And That's if I, incredible. And if I walked around so I could take a picture... And it captured that I have a 35 millimeter lens. There's the height. It has a, I'm at a 50 millimeter lens. And you see the location in the background. We live in the future. That is incredible. Now, if I were to get up and walk around, I could do an over the shoulder of this guy (laughs) and take a picture of you. And then I could send these to the DP. That's incredible. So I think Blocker, it's a free app. And then how they get you is you buy different characters Mm -hmm. and, and whatnot. But I think it's a good tool to learn how to frame shots, learn how to use a space. I bet you they would make a bed for you and you could go in the garage and imagine where the headboard is. No, I'm serious. (laughs) Yes, you can send those boards to uh, to the agency now. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I don't know if I would send them to the agency sure, sure, because they might get too locked into the specifics of it. That's my unpaid uh, endorsement. Cool. Yeah, that's just a really tool. Cool. Yeah, just a tool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, we're so happy to be here. <laughs> and I'm going to post links to uh, both of your works at jordanbrady.com. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe to both shows uh, or listen wherever you consume podcasts. But I'm going to put some of your work up there, and uh, we should take some pictures. Love it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, and yeah, thanks. we'll post, we'll have show notes on justshootitpod.com. If you have any questions or suggestions, comments, email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us or send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. We're just shoot it pod everywhere. And our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music is. Was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.